Welcome to Money Isn't Scary, a podcast for women to explore our fears around money and inspire each other to be financially empowered. I'm Megan Dwyer, and I'm making it my personal mission to remove the taboo around money and help women rewrite their stories so they can stop staying small and begin to live life on their terms. In this show, we get real and uncomfortable as we unpack our beliefs, thoughts, and behaviors that aren't serving us anymore. I can't wait for you to join me on this journey. So let's dive in. Hi, you guys. Welcome to the Money Isn't Scary podcast. I'm your host, Megan Dwyer. Today, I'm sharing my conversation with Kate Donovan, burnout expert, speaker, coach, author, and host of Fried the Burnout podcast. This conversation was just amazing. We touched on so many things that hit so close to home for me, and I had a lot of feels as I questioned how I've been managing my own stress in my life. Kate's wisdom and insight is such an empowering resource for women all over the world, including myself. She is just a wealth of practical advice and support and has an amazing way of communicating that pulls at the heartstrings of all people going through the struggles. So before we jump in, let me just tell you a little bit more about Kate. Kate Donovan is a keynote speaker, one of New York City's leading burnout experts, host of Fried the Burnout podcast, and author of the book, The Bounce Back Ability Factor. Her creative burnout recovery solutions have been featured on podcasts and online magazines such as Forbes, NPR, and the New York Post, and in companies such as Lululemon and PepsiCo. In our conversation today, Kate and I talk about reassessing your definition of success, how finances can contribute to burnout, the underlying issue of worthiness and how it relates to boundaries, the importance of taking well days off, not sick days off, listening to resentment as a way to set yourself up for a future that doesn't burn you out, burnout culture, and so much more. You guys can check out Kate's podcast, Fried the Burnout Podcast, anywhere you listen to podcasts. And as she says, that's just a great place to start to learn all about her experience with burnout and how she's trying to help others escape the cycle. Start there. You can also follow her on Instagram and you can check out her website as well. And I'll throw the links in the show notes. All right, you guys, without further ado, here's my conversation with the incredible Kate Donovan. Enjoy. Hi, Kate. Welcome to the Money Isn't Scary podcast. Thanks so much for being here. This is so exciting. We've been talking about this kind of for months and we finally get to have this convo. I know. I know. I'm so excited. So Burnout is one of those topics that unfortunately has become all too common lately. I myself experienced some of it towards the end of last year, and I did a whole episode of the podcast on it, which, by the way, is my most listened to episode by far. Isn't that interesting? So I think that's a pretty good indication of how important this conversation is today. So I am a working mom with two little kids and many of my listeners are at similar stages of life with pretty serious amounts of anxiety, juggling a lot of balls up in the air. And for those of us who maybe even haven't experienced burnout per se, I think the vast majority of us are living dangerously close to it every day with all these pressures that are coming at us from all angles. So with all that being said, 
I'm really glad you're here and let's just jump into it. All right. I would love to have you start by telling everybody about yourself and the work that you are doing. So I am now a 40-year-old childless woman by choice and living in New Jersey, but I have spent the past, I guess, 20 years, my adult life, living in California, Poland, Czech Republic, all over the world. I did a master's degree in Chinese medicine a long time ago. I was worked as an acupuncturist full-time for a long time. So I have owned my own business and supported myself by being an entrepreneur forever. Even when I was in grad school, I was also bartending and I waitressed before that, which is basically entrepreneurship because everybody knows that those checks don't count for anything. It's if, if you're not selling yourself and getting tips, you're not getting anything out of this yes. job. So I've been really working for myself forever. And I didn't realize along the way that moving, building businesses in foreign languages, moving my entire life, uprooting myself, having to acculturate would be as stressful as it was. And because I did it very successfully, other people in my life also didn't realize how stressful it was, including my husband. I had moved to Poland. He is Polish. And to him, I was so successful that like, what's my problem? And my problem was a million things. And burnout is sort of death by a thousand cuts. So it's not just one factor, but I burnt out terribly. And I didn't realize it was burnout for about six years. So I was really in this stage. Exactly. Yes. So I was in this stage really for a really long time. And then one day, it was 2016, I read an article and the word burnout popped up and it was describing it. And I was going tick, tick, tick. Oh, shoot. Mm-hmm. And when I realized that I'm a massive nerd, so my husband was doing a postgraduate degree at Cambridge at the time. He's also a massive nerd. And so I downloaded every single piece of research that had been done on burnout until that point. It took me a, re- a year to read through it. And as I read through it, I was also doing therapy and coaching and functional medicine and acupuncture to get myself out of this state. And I kept just kept reading and reading and realizing that They're just relating burnout to work. And they're saying that it's the company's fault. And like, I'm the company and I'm the work. So I don't fit here. This Mm. research doesn't talk about me. Right. That birthed my book and my desire to talk to as many people as possible who had been through burnout and lived to tell the tale that maybe it did happen because of work for them, or maybe it happened because of mothering. I mean, that is definitely a thing. Maybe it happened because of caregiving an elderly parent and mothering at the same time. Maybe it happened because of an abusive relationship. Maybe it happened because we could go on and on and on. And I wanted to create space for that. So between the book and the podcast, um, you know, as they, these stories happen all the time, and I kind of have a hard time believing that this is my story, but I created this thing and then it created my life. So now I'm a professional speaker, a coach for people going through burnout and an author. And, you know, five years ago, I would have been like, yeah, good story. (laughs) But here I am. I love it. What a cool story. And it's honestly, it goes back to that same theme that you always teach what you need to learn. Right. Yeah. And I love how it found you versus you finding it. Right. Because I think that's another thing where so many of us put this pressure on ourselves to find the perfect job, to find our passion, to find our role in life, because that, again, that's a trendy thing in culture right now. And we feel pressure. We feel pressure. We feel overwhelmed when we don't find that. And so to just sort of like, let it go 
and let it find you is is actually pretty cool. It was probably a little messier than that in the background, yeah. but that's the polished version that I can show you today. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I lived the life. I was really lucky. I didn't necessarily grow up with a lot of luck and privilege, but I did create a lot of it along the way and used every bit of it that was afforded to me along the way. And I followed my heart. You know, I I did all the things that were right and I still ended up miserable. So this whole idea that like your passion will protect you from burnout is total nonsense. Right. And that was something that I really had to grapple with. Like I grew, I was born in 82. So I grew up in this sort of late millennial space of you can have anything you want. You can do anything you want. You can be mm-hmm. anyone you want. And I did all of the things that I wanted to do and I still ended up burnt out. So I was like, whoa, hold up. Well, I find we're about the same age and I find that same thing. We were brought up to be with that. I can do anything. I can be anybody I want, but yet I also wasn't raised with the tools to necessarily process what comes up when you're kind of on that pursuit. It makes just from, and I always say this all the time, just, I was a big Disney movie fan. So watching all the, all the princesses and all these, all these characters, you know, go through kind of this one issue in their life, one experience of turmoil, and then everything is happily ever after, after that, once you got through (laughs) that, that stage, then all of a sudden it'll be okay. And that's what I believe for the longest time that everything was just going to be taken care of for me. Once I, you know, checked these boxes and I accomplished these goals. Right. And that's not reality. I talk about that a lot as it relates to money and being the breadwinner and some of the deeper emotional, psychological, mental stuff, spiritual stuff that I've had to deal with on my own as being a female provider, worker, and mother in this world. It's a lot to grapple with, and we are not really raised with the tools to do that. And so I'm glad that those kind of tools are starting to be more common now, I mean, my six-year-old is learning coping strategies in school. Yeah. Learning- Kids are a lot more emotionally intelligent now than we ever were. Yeah, they're learning social awareness and, uh, and self-awareness. And they, they're they being set up to be able to handle life as it comes to them. And I don't feel like that was how I necessarily was raised. Or a lot of people in, in our generation, we were, I mean, a lot of our parents didn't, didn't talk about emotions. A lot of things were shoved down. And so here we are, you know, starting to, at, at a different stage of our lives, trying to go through things without having the the tools to really be able to work with it. Right. Absolutely. And finances were a huge part of my burnout story, having grown up in a very low income city in Massachusetts with, um, you know, fear when my shoes got too small because I didn't want to tell my parents that I needed a new pair because I knew they couldn't afford them to being a woman, freshly married, building a brand new acupuncture practice in a foreign country who had a hundred thousand dollars in student loans to pay mm-hmm. in a, from a foreign country, acupuncture, yeah. acupuncture in the United States can range anywhere from about $50 to $250 a treatment. Yeah. In Poland, I was the most expensive acupuncturist in the country at $35. You know how many treatments you have to do at $35 to pay back a $100,000 student loan and still have money to live and survive and pay your bills and eat and, and all of that. So I really, a lot of my drive came from must earn enough money to feel safe. And that, that financial safety didn't end up being safe for my nervous system, Mm -hmm. for my life. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's, that's a lot. That's deep, <laughs> right. I mean, that's, I'm so glad you brought that up and the, you have the self-awareness around it because I mean, I think there's so many kind of underlying stories and beliefs that trigger our relationship with money, how we feel about money, but yet, and also, you know, what's tied to that is our safety and what's tied to that is these internal pressures and expectations that we give ourselves. And I think so much what of my personal experience with burnout has to do with expectations that I put on myself. Amen. Not necessarily what other people like my, my boss or my, you know, my parents ever did or my. But husband. this is tricky. But this is a tricky thing because the, the question is, are these things you put on yourself or are these things that were internalized Either not because anybody said them to you directly, but because that was the modeling in that's, that's modeling. just available out there, right? That was the modeling. Yeah. So I, I think that that's a big thing. And I also had a, on top of the modeling of what success looks like, right? Which you really need to, you have to reassess your definition of success with burnout. You yeah. have to change it. It just, it has to happen. There's no other, uh, no other way around it. And I, when I, got to Poland and I got my first sort of student loan bill. You know, it wasn't Sally Mae, but everybody knows like how that goes. And I looked at it and it was like, you can pay $700 a month for 30 years, or you can pay $1,000 a month for 10. And I was like, that's a difference of like exponent, whatever yeah. it was. It was something like $180,000. It was a ridiculous. Over 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just a ridiculous number. I don't remember exactly what it was now. And so I put it in my head that not only was I going to pay this loan back, but I was going to do it on the fast rate in a country where American dollars are worth a lot. Yeah. So I had to like, I had to out earn what was almost reasonable in order to do this. And I still thought it was a good idea, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. I had a few things going on. I had the fear of the bill. I had the fear of having the bill be part of my marriage. My husband didn't come into our marriage with any debt. So I felt like I had to get rid of mine as quickly as possible so that we would be on even ground. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that was a driver for me. I had a a need to prove that I was not going to be limited because of where I grew up. So that I can not be better than that because there are wonderful, beautiful, amazing people that I grew up with and I love where I grew up. And at the same time, I had to prove that I wasn't stuck because of it, mm -hmm. that it wasn't going to define me. Right. So I had to pull myself out of that sort of the, the low class status in order to prove that to myself. So I'm doing all of these things at the same time and underneath all of that feeling like I wasn't worthy of any of it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love this because yeah, boom, mind blown, right? Yes. There's just too much competing forces all at once. And that worthiness is something that I talk about all the time because that's the underlying drive. Yeah. That's the, that's the underlying feeling that we have. I always say when it comes to money and where we spend our dollars and how we feel about money that we earn, it's not about the dollars itself. It's not about the thing that we buy or the status. It's all about the feeling underneath. And if we don't feel worthy of earning the money that we earn, which is a story that I have and something that I've always struggled with, um, mm -hmm. and we don't feel worthy of having the things that we have, then 
we're just setting ourselves up for continuing this cycle of confusion and, and spending and likely getting ourselves into debt and putting ourselves in, or maybe achieving the goals. This is probably something that's more like you and I maybe achieving the goals, but not really feeling proud of ourselves or not really feeling like we've actually moved the ball forward again, not being able to savor it like the check the box thing, like, okay, Mm -hmm. it's done, but that doesn't mean that I actually still feel good about myself. Right. Yeah. I think this underlying worthiness question is underneath almost every problem. Yeah. (laughs) It's a burnout money. It doesn't really matter what the problem, however, the problem manifests in your life is uh, less important than the fact that this uh, sort of difficulty feeling deserving is just such a driver for so many things. Yeah. For so many things. Yeah. It's exhausting to try and work your way into worthiness all the time. It's interesting. So here's an example of just something that literally happened this morning. So Mm -hmm. my husband had strep throat. He got sick kids bring home God knows what kind of germs there's everything in the air right now. But Saturday morning, he went to like a minute clinic and got the strep test and it came back positive. So he was, he was out of work yesterday and he's on antibiotics and is feeling better today, but a little better, not like a hundred percent, obviously. Yeah. This morning he made a comment to me that was like, should I go to work today? And he had already planned to go to work today. (laughs) To be honest, I had planned for him to be at work today because I didn't need him in the house getting in my way with stuff like he was yesterday. And I was like, yeah, you still need to go to work today. I said that. And he got kind of all worked up and was like, well, he called me out on it because he was like, but that's yeah. your, cause that's your story. That's it's my story. Honestly, it's my mom who yeah. always made me go to school. Even if I had thrown up that morning, she'd just say, oh, go to school, go, you know, go to the nurse. If you don't feel good, have her call me and then you can come home. But she had to go to work. She had her own priorities. She had her own stuff to do. Looking back now, I realized that that's the modeling that I learned, Mm -hmm. right? That you were just Mm -hmm. talking about and that I am now projecting onto other people in my life. Onto an adult grown male who can make his own damn decision about whether or not he feels good enough to go to work. Absolutely. I mean, that's, <laughs> that was the big thing. I'm like, you do what you got to do, but I just can't have you be here. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but more importantly, I just, it's so interesting that I started thinking about this after I, I dropped the kids off, just how I do have these kind of pressures and expectations of myself. I never take a sick day ever. I hardly yeah. ever take an actual like day off of work where I'm not still checking emails. Like I still check in. Oh my God. No, we and, don't take sick days anymore. We take well days now. Yes. Are you not on this program? Are you not on the taking well days program? No, oh, I know. <laughs> oh, we don't wait until sick days we can take. I'm, I'm all for taking sick days when you need them. I also take well days. I take days for the sake of not working. I've never called them a well day before, but I, now that I I do do this. So So for instance, as a professional speaker, quite frequently, I have to fly across the country, give a speech in front of 300, a thousand people and fly back. Right. This is a lot of time in the air is very dehydrating. It's not really very healthy. You're eating whatever the hell you can find half the time. I, I mean, I buy a lot of chopsticks, you know, I'm like protein. Uh. And <laughs> so I do, you know, like I do a lot as many things as I can. And speaking of worthiness, when I'm traveling for work, I always fly business. 
which is something that even still to click the button, like gives me a little bit of anxiety, but if you yeah. want me to be in good form, when I get to your program, you better be buying me a business class ticket because mama doesn't need her knees scrunched up in her chest for yeah. six hours. Yeah. And so this whole process is uh, really draining physically on your body. Most commonly, it doesn't always work because sometimes I have another event or something else is going on. Most commonly, the day after traveling, the day that I get home, the day after I get home, I don't do anything because my body needs to catch up. I need to get some electrolytes in me. I need to make sure I'm hydrated enough. I need to have a day of good food. I, I usually I hop on the Peloton and maybe I go to yoga, but I don't do any work that day. My brain is like still on adrenaline from yesterday. Yeah. I can't do that. Well, this gets into the whole boundaries conversation. Right? Yeah. And I am somebody who is absolutely terrible with boundaries. I have, like I said, two little kids, mommy, mommy, mommy need me constantly. Right. Yeah. I also am a financial planner and yeah. I have 40 something clients who also need me constantly. And yeah. I always have emails coming in day, night, weekends. It does not matter. And I have this internal dialogue, the story that I'm telling myself that I always have to be everything to everyone. So mm -hmm. if I can just check the email and then I at least know what I'm coming back to, even if I'm not going to be able to respond to it, then somehow in my mind, it, it makes me feel better. But after years of doing this, and it's even gotten worse since I've been working from home the last three years or so, I realize it's not making me feel better. And I think I am single-handedly because of the, my issues with boundaries, I am causing myself to get into this burnout place. Right. And the issue with boundaries is also a worthiness question. Yeah. And if I, for me with patients, I, when I was seeing 40, 50, 60 patients a week, it was, if I'm not available to these people all the time, if I'm not serving them constantly, then am I worth what they're paying me? Am I worth the title I hold in my worth. Yes. Yes. Right. I have to take yes. care of them all the time, which is totally untrue. Like or they need complete, to completely to, untrue. Right. Or like in my mind, they need to be able to see the value in the service that they get. So you know what, it, you know what the story is even deeper. What for is me? it? I'm stupid. Hmm. I have told myself that story my entire life. And it's still something that I talk about on the podcast or I allude to it on the podcast, but I have not done a deeper dive into it yet because yeah. I think avoiding it subconsciously. And I yeah. know I need to, but the story is that I am not smart enough to do this job. And therefore I have to make up for it in other ways. Customer service, always being available, always get a, quick responses wow. to things. I think it's because I doubt myself and I tell myself all the time that I don't belong here. I'm yeah. in a, in a world like a predominantly male, mm -hmm. you know, professional industry, financial services has always been men who's wives typically stayed home and took care of the kids, which gave afforded them the time to focus on more on work and the flexibility. And I always kind of told myself I was a square peg in a round hole. And I am just getting... how long have you been doing this job? This particular job I've been at for two years, but but I've been in the industry for 17. So it's been I think I just want can we pause on that for a second? Yes. Can I play host for a moment? Please. <laughs> 17 years of the same ish profession, at least in the profession. Yeah. And we don't feel enough expertise yet. It's not you. 
right? Well, like it's, I mean, 17, just stop on that. Can everybody, anybody that's listening right now, can you just stop on that number for a minute and ask yourself what that number is for you? What is that number for you? I've been a professional speaker now for four years and I'm often questioning. I have the same question. Am I good enough to be on this stage? Do I deserve to raise my fees? Other people are getting paid double, triple what I'm getting paid to be on stage. Am I not as good as them? I can't be as good as them because I'm only at this, you know, the story. The story. But when does when do we get to stop? How many years have to pass for us to allow ourselves to stop that story? 17 damn years, Megan. I am so glad that you brought this up because it's not necessarily the time in the industry for me, this is, this is where the me inner mean girl inside me comes up and let's, let's do this. Let's just, yeah, let's go there because, because what she would say is, all right, well, this actual, you, the actual work that you're doing, a lot of it, you haven't seen, like, this is a lot of it is new exposure. The, The company that I'm at right now, we do things at a very different manner. We get super in depth on a lot of stuff. So I haven't necessarily had a ton of exposure to these different areas. So the mean girl will be like, yeah, but like you, you know, haven't done this. So you're not, you haven't mastered Mm -hmm. this aspect of it yet. Right. Mm -hmm. So you don't know what you're doing. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. Which is wild because if I, if I, for instance, someone has no knowledge in financial, anythings, if I went into that job without the 17, 15, maybe if you started it two years ago, without the 15 years of prior experience, if I started that job tomorrow, I would be absolutely, I wouldn't even know what things meant. I wouldn't even have the vocabulary. Mm-hmm. I literally wouldn't know what was going on at all. Yeah. So you have the vocabulary, you have the background, you have the, so does, can the, is it possible for, is it an option to shift the sentence from I'm stupid to I'm learning? Oh yeah. Yes. And this is what goes through my head, right? This is what yeah. I talk about on the podcast. This is the the self-compassion, the having yeah. grace for yourself, the patience, yeah. the kindness, yeah. all of that stuff that I work on because this is all my journey. This is not like yeah. me telling somebody else how to do it because I still struggle with it. And I think everybody does. I think yeah, I'm, no you just said it. You do too. When you yeah. get on stage, you always- 100%. Fight. But it's not, it's it, the issue is not necessarily in my mind. The story I tell myself is, is that I'm stupid, but the, the, the issue is- is me not feeling like I'm worthy enough to have this job, to be able to advise people for me to be an expert for, you know, for you to be on stage and, you know, sharing your gifts with thousands of people. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but this, they're just stories. They are. And that's where we have to slow down and as we say, hop off the treadmill and actually start listening to, to what we're telling ourselves because yeah, if we don't, nothing's going to change. As I like yeah. to say, nothing changes if nothing changes. So we need to yeah, slow exactly. down. We need to, to see how we beat ourselves up. And these stories personally, I mean, combined with the cultural expectations, but the cultural yes. expectations, I always think once you see it, you can't not see it. Right. So <laughs> once you see that, how companies are preying on women and mothers and all this stuff just to make money, I'm aware of that. That's, I was a marketing major. I know how all that works now, but the, it's the internal stuff that I struggle yeah. with. That's keeping me from taking it to that next level, at least for my comfort and confidence. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just stories. They're just stories. They're, they're just, just stories. stories. Yeah. But they can burn you the hell out, even if they're yeah. just stories. 
Yeah. Because that drive never stops. The drive never slows down. And when you're offered a promotion or a thing, you say yes. And then you feel even more unworthy and then you push yourself even more and then you push and then you push and then you push and then you push to prove yourself, to prove yourself, to prove. How are you not supposed to be exhausted? Right. How are you supposed to not burn out if that's the underlying question? Of am I good enough to be here? Am I smart enough to be here? Am I worth being here? How do you not burn out? And this, so when I read the, there are studies again that say burnout is, you know, eighty percent caused by the company, and it says why. And I read it, and then I think about the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that I have talked to over the years, and I'm saying, it's not all. It's it's not all us either. There are some things happening in companies. There is bullying and there is, yes. there are issues a hundred percent. And if you're, 100%. yes, a hundred percent. And if you're dealing with any sort of othering, any sort of ism that matters and that affects you too. And it puts you at a disadvantage. It puts your stress response system on work all the time, right? So there are definitely things happening outside of ourselves that are parts of this. And things that are happening inside ourselves that are parts of this, we are contributing. So my ask is always to people when they are shifting away from burnout, when they're going through a recovery journey, my ask for people is please try to promise yourself that you won't participate in burnout culture. And be okay with the fact that you're going to fail at that sometimes because I fail at this sometimes and I am, you know, talk about this all day, every day. And I still mess up. So be gentle. But the commitment is I will not participate in burnout culture. And what I love that phrase. I have never heard of burnout culture before. I, I think I know exactly what you're saying, but I had never heard of it phrased like that. Tell us what burnout culture is. Just examples. To me, burnout culture is the always des- desiring more without checking in with your own values is adopting other people's definitions of success without checking in, again, with your own values. Burnout culture is believing that you can't have in your email automatic responder that says that you answer emails between X and X hours within 48 hours, Mm -hmm. unless it's the weekend. Not being able to put that in your email and then honor it for yourself, that's burnout culture. I had a client recently who I made him do that, and he was like, I, it's going to be really hard. My clients are really demanding. And I said, listen, are you a brain surgeon? He was like, no. I said, do you do emergency surgery? He said, no. I said, are you even a doctor? He said, no. I said, do you need to? Do you need to? No, not necessarily. And even if you are a doctor, you don't need to. <laughs> like that. That's also a separate question. Exactly. But he did it. And he said it was extremely uncomfortable for like three weeks. And now it took him three weeks of practicing, not checking his email, not bringing it home. He said, Kate, you have no idea how easy it is now. It doesn't even phase me. I don't think about it. And I just don't check my email because everybody knows. All my clients know because it's in my emails. Hey, I'm going to get back to you between this and this time. I just let as soon as I gave people that information and knew that if they were anxious about something, they would at least have information when they were going to hear back from me. It took the pressure off me. Yeah. Just putting up an autoresponder, a simple one says, Hey, great to hear from you. I answer emails between this and this hour. 
It's not I, hard to do, but it's hard to do. It Exactly. And I know this. I'm so glad you said this. I know this personally. I just mentioned this. I do Fridays. I've been doing uh, the last couple of weeks. I've been doing something called Friday Real Talk, where I am doing just more kind of raw, like off the cuff. This is what my week was like. This is the stuff I'm experiencing. And last week I happened to mention that I had two different experiences at work that were challenging for me. One was over President's Day weekend. I went away for two nights with my family. And I um, stayed at two different hotels with pools and um, just to get away. And I didn't check my email. I didn't bring my computer. And I came back on Monday, uh, which was a holiday. I didn't have an out of office app or anything. And I came back and I had four emails from the same client who I had just met with on the Friday before I left, by the way, starting Saturday morning saying that they want to buy a vacation house. They need to talk to me ASAP. They need to run a bunch of things by me. Can we talk on Monday? Well, I never replied because I never saw the email. And then Monday comes around and they, or they sent another email Sunday and then another email Monday saying, Hey, we need to do this ASAP. Can I talk to somebody else who maybe you're away? Or I came back and I froze. I freaked out. And I ended up calling the client and it ended up being fine and, and all of that. But the story that I told myself, again, that reinforced this, I need to be everything to everybody, which has a deeper layer to it, I'm now learning around worthiness, was really intense. And what I realized from this is I could have put on an out of office. I did not. I did not do that. I could have put on an out of office message. Mm -hmm. And now I'm realizing that even if I have to put one up every weekend, even though I shouldn't, because it's the weekend, even if I have to, I'm going to try to do that. Have I done it yet? No, because I clearly forgot to last weekend. But this is such <laughs> a challenge for me. It's so hard. Yeah, so just put it up. Keep just me put accountable. It up. Keep me accountable. Like yeah, every, just put you, it up. everybody listening, just keep me accountable. Yeah. I, I need to do this for my own. You life. can set it up for it to start going up immediately every day at 5 p.m. and shut off at 7 a.m., 8 a.m., 9 a.m., whatever the heck you want, and to go on automatically on the weekends. You don't even have to set it. There are so many programs that will just do this for you. I don't know what you use or what you have, so you'll have to figure out how that happens. But it's like literally a a couple of buttons that take you five minutes to set up and it will just start going out automatically. I know. And it's again, like you said, it's it's not hard, but it's so but it's hard. It's so hard. And that's where my own personal growth, personal development journey is needs to keep going. It's never done. Um, because I clearly do the things, um, I heard you say something on, I heard you interviewed on another podcast and I heard you say something about resentment. And -hmm. when resentment comes up, Mm -hmm. that's, it's such a, that's a teacher. And that's Mm -hmm. how, you know, you need to start. It's my number one sign. My favorite thing to talk about because everywhere that you're feeling resentment, that is a place where your boundaries have been crossed. Most frequently, it is a place where you overstepped your own damn boundaries or didn't put up any in the first place. So maybe somebody crossed a boundary, but the boundary only exists in your mind. So if it only exists in your mind, it's not really real, you know? And so resentment will teach you every single time where something has gone wrong, but it doesn't teach you exactly what to do with it. 
your job is to step back and be objective and say, well, what needs to happen next time? In this situation, you can get mad at that client, but you've taught them that you're available all the time. So it's not, I would feel resentful toward that client, but then I would check myself and say, well, this is kind of, this is more my stuff than their stuff. Yeah. Right. Right. So here, like exactly like you said, you're not going to change the fact that you didn't do that last weekend, but you can do it next weekend. And that's what resentment is for, is is for planning for the future. It's not for being mad at people in the past. It's for setting yourself up for a future that doesn't burn you out. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's a great way to end. Absolutely love that. Thank you so much for this conversation. This was fantastic. Please tell everybody how they can find more about you. You've got a podcast, you've got a book. Feel free to talk about everything. All the things, but I my goal is always to give people only one thing to focus on because I find that with my own podcast, when guests are saying their stuff at the end, when they say too many things, nobody listens. So I'm going to say one thing. I'm going to give you one. If you're listening to this and you're like, oh my God, I need to know more about that. Head to Fried the Burnout Podcast and start there. There is a podcast episode on just about anything you could think of. And if you don't find it, send it to me and I will make one. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. I've listened to it. Thank it's you. it's incredible. It's very motivational. I listen to it sometimes when I'm running before I start the day and it, whether I do it or not, it still gives me the inspiration. So um, like I said, easier said than done sometimes, but I promise you I will work on it. I'll be checking in. Okay. Thank you so much, Kate. This is a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.